0: Good morning. I'm Chris Oaks and coming up today, how the local Habitat for Humanity Financial Opportunity Center is helping to ensure that no one is left behind in the digital revolution. Also this morning, can President Biden reach across the aisle to a divided Congress? We have a reaction and analysis of the State of the Union address and Republican response to your health this morning surprising results from the Cleveland Clinic's annual heart health survey what many Americans do and don't know about taking care of themselves and less than a week to go until the most romantic day of the year we have ideas for a personalized celebration with your valentine this is the good mornings podcast edition for Wednesday February 8th 2023 Did you catch the State of the Union last night? I tell you what, I have heard some great State of the Union speeches in the past, but this was not one of them. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, it just it just wasn't. It was uh, it was interesting though, and uh, we'll kind of recap, uh, get reaction and analysis. Oh, the president's speech uh, last night and the Republican response coming up here in just a bit. But there was one interesting uh, moment, and I did not see this, but I was reading about it this morning. Uh, It was a report on uh, CNN, from CNN. Apparently, uh, Republican Senator Mitt Romney of Utah confronted uh, Representative George Santos of New York. When Santos showed up for the State of the Union, Mitt Romney said, you don't belong here. Uh, This uh, CNN was quoting a member who witnessed the tense exchange in the House chamber. Uh, Apparently, Mr. Romney made the remarks as uh, he walked into the chamber for the State of the Union address. After the speech, Romney told CNN he criticized Santos for standing in the front aisle trying to shake hands with the president, uh, given the fact that he is under and ethics investigation so i completely i completely missed that um but uh, kind of an interesting moment there uh the president talked uh, quite a bit about uh, wage growth and uh, you know middle class americans average americans uh, things are getting better uh for uh, for people but when we talk about wage growth i thought this was a uh, kind of interesting a uh, new data analysis from duke University, and Oklahoma State, and a combined on this analysis of data collected from 6,500 participants, finds that veterans, stereotyped as heroes, might be expected to work for less money. What they found was that more people think veterans would be better at selfless jobs, like uh, teachers, firefighters, that kind of thing. Where they give of themselves. The veterans are maybe pre-wired to serve in those types of roles. And in the case of veterans, this according to the author of the report on the study, Matthew Stanley. In the case of veterans, he said people see them as a better fit at jobs, roles, and organizations that they associate with selflessness, which tend to be lower paying professions. Uh, just like other people in so-called heroic careers like nurses and police officers who face the same stereotype, that they are not motivated by money so we don't have to pay them as much is basically what they're uh, saying. And if you really think about it, they may be onto something there. I just thought that was kind of interesting research, especially given what the uh, president was talking about last night. Some of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started here. Uh, so you're getting up, getting ready to go midweek Wednesday at this point. We call it hump day because we go over the hump and head downhill into the weekend, and it can't come too soon for many people. By, by Wednesday, you're kind of dragging a little bit, right? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, so here is something interesting. A study from Wayne State University, along with uh, researchers at Rutgers, Uh, They found that uh, commuting to work each day is actually a good thing for your mental health. Uh, We may dread getting out of bed and going off to work in the morning, but it can have mental health benefits. Um, The commute, the process of commuting, creates liminal space which lets your brain shut off and recharge. And that helps prevent burnout, is what they say. Longer commutes might give people more time to detach and recover. Maybe listening to a podcast or listening to some music or whatever, just kind of escaping and um, decompressing after the day is done or in the morning, kind of mentally preparing yourself for the day ahead. Now, of course, this benefit only applies to non-stressful commutes. If you're in an urban area uh, that you have to deal with traffic in the morning or the afternoon, traffic jams, and and, and sitting in stop-and-go traffic for an hour or whatever to get home, then that probably doesn't apply. But in our area, we don't generally have to deal with those types of things. However, uh, this is one of the reasons why this is interesting, because if you are a remote worker, who doesn't commute at all, I mean, your commute is like walking from your bedroom to your home office, your spare bedroom or wherever it might happen to be to uh, go to work. They say you may actually want to consider a fake commute, like maybe a short walk at the beginning and the end of the workday. For those who do commute, uh, the longer the better. And again, here in our area, what the average commute time is like 10 minutes or something like that for uh folks in in our our area instead they say take a scenic route that maybe is a little bit longer and that will uh help you decompress at the end of the day or prepare mentally for the start of the day for in-person workers so something to consider uh this morning as you are uh, getting up getting ready for uh, for work Super Bowl right around the corner Super Bowl 57 uh, LVII 57, yes. <laughs> I always have to stop and think about that. Um, millions of people are getting ready to watch the uh, Chiefs and the Eagles, but only one of those teams could have an advantage. The folks at Wallet Hub crunched the numbers to find the best place for football fans. Uh, they used more than two dozen metrics to come up with their list, everything from ticket prices for games to fan engagement, and the number one city for football fans is one that's not even in the Super Bowl, at least not this year, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania was the uh, the winner. Um, Green Bay, Wisconsin ranked second. Uh, let's see here. Dallas, Texas ranked third. Uh, Boston, Massachusetts was 4th. Uh LA rounded out the top 5, Los Angeles. Um as for the worst city for football fans, Valparaiso, Indiana. <laughs> so obviously Valparaiso doesn't have a a team, but you've got the uh, the Colts and and uh I guess the Bears not too far away, but Valparaiso the worst place. Uh It's kind of interesting. Um, Speaking of the Super Bowl this week, you know, the Pro Bowl weekend was last week, and that was held in Las Vegas. I thought this was kind of interesting. The biggest winner in Las Vegas among NFL players last weekend wasn't even at the Pro Bowl. NFL rookie Ronnie Rivers, uh, he's a running back with the Rams, one, he was he was in Las Vegas last weekend, not for the Pro Bowl. He was actually visiting uh, some family. He was celebrating his mom's birthday. So they were in Vegas for an entirely different reason. And he won a nearly $515,000 mega jackpot on three-card poker at Caesars Palace. <laughs> uh, for comparison, each member of... The Pro Bowl winning NFC team was paid eighty four thousand dollars. Each member of the AFC team, the losing end of the Pro Bowl, got forty two thousand dollars, and he won a little over a half a million <laughs> at, at the casino. So the the biggest winner of the uh, Pro Bowl weekend among the uh, all NFL players didn't even make the Pro Bowl. So it was kind of interesting. <clears throat> is, is it more uh, reason why they just need to do away with the Pro Bowl? <laughs> Just give them some spending money and send them to the casino. That's what they should do instead. By the way, speaking of betting and the Super Bowl, uh, the numbers are in over 50 million adults are expected to bet around $16 billion on the Super Bowl. $16 billion with a B as in big bucks. Um. So 50 million people that would be about 20% of the US population is going to wager on the game. 16 billion would be a record amount. Well, it's be a record amount of people betting on the game, a record amount of money. As a matter of fact, that's more than double the amount of money wagered on the game last year. And this is in part, they say, because states like Ohio along with Kansas, Maryland and Massachusetts have all launched online sports betting since last year's Super Bowl. So you got a lot more people who can leg- legally wager on the game. So, uh, wow. One in five people who's going to wager on the game $16 billion. Compare that, though. If that sounds like a lot of money, consider this. Americans for Valentine's Day which is less than a week away now. The National Retail Federation says consumers will shell out nearly $26 billion for Valentine's this year. So if you think $16 billion waged on the Super Bowl, wagered on the Super Bowl is, uh, is a large number, $26 billion will be spent on Valentine's Day. That works out to an average of about $193 per person for all the flowers, cards, candy, and other gifts and it's not just loved ones, of course. It's friends and coworkers, and you know, all kinds of people that we. So it's about twenty dollars more than last year's average spending. And again, uh, numbers from WalletHub find almost one in five Americans think it's okay to use a credit card to pay for that special Valentine's Day gift. So uh, <laughs> I don't know what that says. I love you so much, I'm willing to go in debt for you, I guess. The message that we're sending. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started.
1: WFIN News. I'm Matt Demcheck. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly to mostly cloudy today with a high of 45. Mostly cloudy tonight, a low of 38. The Finley Police Department is asking the public for help in identifying a theft suspect. Police say the man in the surveillance pictures you can see on our website entered stores on the east side of Findlay and stole merchandise including security and surveillance equipment. Anybody with information about the suspect is urged to contact Findlay Police or Crime Stoppers. Tipsters may be eligible for a reward. Again, you can see those surveillance pictures on our website. The jury in the public corruption trial of former Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder heard secret recordings.
2: The former Speaker of the House is accused in one of the biggest bribery schemes in state history. Now it all centers around a nuclear power plant bailout. Former Ohio Republican Party Chair Matt Borges is also charged in the scheme. In one of the recordings played, he was heard asking a political operative who was wearing an FBI wire, quote, you're not trying to set me up here, are you? End quote. And this trial is expected to take weeks. I'm Yolanda Harris.
1: An adoption and foster care agency based in Lima known as SAFI, which stands for Specialized Alternatives for Families and Youth, says the need for foster homes is rising.
3: Estrella Avarez, foster parent recruiter, says the problem is SAFI is running out of homes, too.
1: Well, for every home that we get, we might be losing one home or two homes. But for every home that we have or we
2: lose, there's 20, 50, 100, 200 kids waiting for a home in our state.
3: State data finds nearly 15,000 kids are in care,
2: with 1,000 being teenagers.
1: WTOL 11's Tatiana Cash reporting. The executive director of the Hancock Historical Museum, Sarah Sisser, has been selected as chair of the Ohio Humanities Board of Directors. She previously served as the board's vice chair. Sarah says the public humanities in Ohio, including local history organizations like the Hancock Historical Museum, share the stories of our collective human experience, stories that have the power to connect us. And she says she's honored to further such important work. Get more news online at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek for 1330
0: WFIN and 95.5 FM. And now our cover story this morning, the local Habitat for Humanity chapter, Hancock County Habitat for Humanity is... And their Financial Opportunity Center is launching a new program to help ensure that no one is left behind in the digital revolution. And uh, joining us uh, are Dustin Fuller. He is the uh, manager of the Financial Opportunity Center for Habitat uh, Habitat for Humanity in Hancock County. And uh, Katie Bidlack, who is uh, the uh, project uh, lead for uh, this Unify program. And uh, thank you both for uh, joining us this morning. We appreciate it. Um, Dustin, I want to start with you. Talk a little bit about what the Financial Opportunity Center is and kind of the overall mission, how it fits into the larger mission of Habitat for Humanity.
4: Absolutely. Thanks for having us on. The Financial Opportunity Center is all about helping people be successful however they define success. So what we do is provide longer-term individualized coaching to help change attitudes and behaviors to help people be successful. Our goal is to work ourselves out of a job. So (laughs) that takes on many different uh, iterations that could mean anything. We have folks that come in and they want to learn how to develop a budget, build their credit, Mm -hmm. or start building positive credit history. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of folks that come in looking for help with soft skills development, uh, resume development, getting jobs. Uh, So we do a little bit of everything. Every client that walks through the door is unique, and what makes the FOC um, so unique is the fact that we don't have any restrictions. There's no eligibility requirements. And so this, anyone who needs help or feels they need help can get help. Absolutely, because it's not about how much money you make; it's about what you do with it.
0: Now, is this uh, is this a requirement of those who are uh, in the Habitat for Humanity? Program to, you know, to be recipients, uh, homeowners through Habitat
4: for Humanity? It's not a requirement. What we've done is integrated the FOC into the process anyway. Mm -hmm. So when they first come through the door and we're reviewing that application, they're meeting myself, Phil, Katie here um, to get to know the FOC, how we can help. And Mm -hmm. then we provide that individualized longer term support to help them be successful on that journey.
0: Conversely, uh, is this open to anyone beyond just those who are in
4: line for a habitat home? Absolutely. Um, Supporting the prospective partner families is only a small fraction of the folks that we serve. Uh, we will work with anyone, and it is open to anyone who is interested in making some positive changes, and they want an accountability partner to help them do that. So, Katie,
0: talk about this uh, this new Unify uh, program and how this fits into that mission that Dustin was talking about.
5: Yeah, sure, and thanks again for having us here. So, Unify services were formed to address the digital divide in Finley, Hancock County, and we're continuously coming up with creative ways to address a spectrum of needs, both for digital connectivity and how that fits in with the FOC. So we like to lend some of our devices, our laptops, hotspots, Chromebooks, et cetera, to individuals who need help empl- for with employment applications and searches, um, continuing education, financial literacy skill building, and digital literacy skill building. So that's kind of how this fits in with what the FOC does, is we like to provide those resources that help them reach those opportunities.
0: So this is uh, so this is not uh, financial uh, directly uh, with this program. This is uh, more to help with all of those things. And financial is one aspect of that, but all of those things that are so integral to life today being digital, online, so on.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And we we recognize that having affordable, reliable, and adoptable access to the internet is kind of less of a luxury now and less of a privilege and, and more of a necessity. And so anything we can do to reach those individuals that don't have that that digital equity piece is, is something that we're trying really hard to, to so, do here.
0: So as you mentioned, uh, the biggest part of this program is providing on a temporary basis, lending, uh, devices that allow people to get online and do all of those things that you need to do as you mentioned that are so crucial to existing today.
5: Oh, 100%. Being today. Yeah, and that that's a huge part of what Unify Services do. We also provide ACP enrollment assistance and coaching. So that's the Affordable Connectivity Program. So simply spreading word that there's a program out there that provides a $30 monthly discount on home internet service for, you know, um, qualifying individuals mm-hmm. it's it's really important that people know that that service is out there to reach that affordability piece as well since the lending library touches on you know the adoptable and the accessible part of it
0: well and and that was uh, that actually kind of uh, speaks a little bit to uh, what a, one of the questions that i had is how is this uh, different or uh, uh i don't want to say better that's not different but different than say i mean for example at the public library, people can go in and, and use uh, the, uh, the systems that they have there, but this actually puts them in the home.
5: Yes, yeah, um, especially with the, the affordable connectivity program. That mm. gives them a, a reliable and dependable discount for their home internet, $30 off for yeah. qualifying individuals, and then the lending library provides them the technology that they need in order to to reach those internet services yeah um
0: is there uh is there training involved in this uh as well i mean i'm thinking for example um applying for a job uh online a lot of that is done online and again the unify program provide these devices to allow people to do that um but is there some training if you've never done it before you know people are probably wondering where do i start how do i do this
5: yeah, and that's a great point, and that brings up kind of two pieces in my mind. One of them is how this connects to the broader FOC services is that there's um, Dustin and Phil there to provide that that support with coaching for employment and the financial piece of it. But also another unified service as well is uh, providing digital literacy courses. So we have clients that come in, and I will help them know how to access the Internet both safely and in a healthy manner in mm-hmm. reaching the kind of knowledge that they need to be successful on the internet. And um, I mean, and it can be from just basic skills, intermediate skills, all the way up to, you know, how to, how to use Microsoft office or, you know, word and yeah. Excel. So um, in terms of training, there are a couple different ways that we can address that. And it's, It's just the most important to see that each client is unique and each person is unique, so their needs are not all going to be the same.
0: It's a good point that uh, it's not just for the purpose of seeking and finding a job or managing your finances, but then uh doing the work that the job requires which often involves you know uh, doing some work at home remotely that kind of thing uh and so on so uh, a lot of different applications now the devices that you make available to uh those who are in need of them where do they come from
5: i love that you asked that question we get um in-kind donations that we refurbish we wipe them clean update them with um, all of the necessary Windows software, as well as Microsoft Office. So each piece of tech is equipped to um, really set a base and provide more needs. And we're always taking feedback from our clients to see what do they want to see in in these pieces of technology. What do they want to do with them? So we're constantly evolving through feedback, and we're always accepting donations of new and used tech equipment it's kind I mean, of
0: where i was going yeah where, yeah <laughs> uh, for those who want to help out how do we do that
5: um well i mean we're always accepting from communities and or different organizations here and mm-hmm. i mean we've gotten some uh laptops and desktops i think from new york where we just wow. happen to have stumbled upon this connection and they had a lot of technology they were willing to give so things like um laptops or chromebooks that are equipped with uh, windows 10 or 11 keyboards mice both wired or wireless hdmi cables tablets chromebooks i mean usb drives we're really not in the business of turning anything down and if there's a piece that we can't use you know we have a way to dispose of that properly but we're really just looking for any piece that we can have because there's going to be someone out there who who is in need of it
0: who can make use of it yeah uh and dustin for those who are hearing us talk about this and are saying you know this might be something that i could benefit from or i know someone who could make benefit of uh, some of these services through the uh foc whether it's the unify program directly or any of the other services how do they reach out
4: well we make it really easy uh, they can visit our website uh, habitatfinley.org they can also um, give us a call at 419-429-1400. The FOC is option four. And I do want to put out there that just as with technology, we're in the business of closing gaps and we're looking at longer term behavioral change. So there is individualized coaching to help people get acclimated to technology and how to use it because the best Cell phone, the best computer in the world, doesn't do you any good if you don't know how to use it. Yeah,
0: kind of bridging that uh, digital
4: divide
0: and, as we said, ensuring that no one is left behind in the digital revolution. Again, uh, Dustin Fuller, manager of the uh, Financial Opportunity Center, Habitat Habitat for Humanity of Hancock County. Keep messing that up. And uh, Katie Bidlack, the uh, project lead for the uh, Unify uh, program. Thank you both for uh, dropping by. We appreciate it.
4: Thank you. Thank you, Chris. We have more to do. But here at home, inflation is coming down. Here at home, gas prices are down $1.50 from their peak. Food inflation is coming down. Not fast enough, but coming down. Inflation has fallen every month for the last six months.
0: President Biden there from his State of the Union address last night. We are joined once again this morning by Alan Sanders. He's Professor Emeritus of Political Science at St. Peter's University in Jersey City, New Jersey, and a former senior reporter for Time Magazine to share his reaction and analysis of the uh, president's speech and the Republican response. and. Alan, as I mentioned a little bit earlier uh, on the program, kind of my uh, initial take in 20 words or less, I've heard some great State of the Union addresses in my time. This was not one of them. At least that was my take. What was your impression uh, overall of the president's speech?
6: Well, I think overall, my impression was uh, that the Democrats were probably delighted with uh, what happened at the State of the Union message. It was vintage Biden. Uh, You know, he's not an eloquent man, so don't look for uh, soaring rhetoric. (laughs) That's true. But he is somebody who tries to be empathetic, who tries to be bipartisan when he can, but who can also be very feisty. And he was all three at the speech, and I think that probably pleased Democrats immensely last night. Uh,
0: You know, going in, there was uh, a lot of discussion about... Reaching across the aisle, how would Mr. Biden deal with a divided Congress and so on? He didn't have to deal with that last year. And he did talk some about that. um, But were you surprised there wasn't more of that tone in the speech?
6: No, because I think uh, his his goal was basically to stress what he had achieved so far in the first two years, and he mentioned bipartisanship there wherever he could, but he's also aware that he faces an oppositional Congress, and he uh, used the speech to make uh, 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 some of the Republicans, certainly people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and some of the disruptive members, a useful foil. And that's, uh, um, um, you know, a benchmark of how he... Int- I only intends to proceed for the next two years. He's probably going to announce that he's running again very soon, mm-hmm. and he thinks that using MAGA Republicans as a foil is going to work well for him politically. And I think we saw a preview of that in the speech uh, last night.
0: Was that why he brought up some of the more extreme proposals from certain members of Congress? I mean, there were times... Like uh, when he talked about some Republicans wanting to repeal the infrastructure plan and especially when he brought up those rogue proposals to Sunset Social Security and Medicare where it seemed like it was needlessly confrontational. Again, going in knowing that he has to work with a uh, a, a divided Congress, it seemed like – I mean he even admitted those were not part of the GOP platform. So why even bring them up?
6: Well, because it's useful to uh, use Republicans as a foil. I mean, there are Republicans who have made those arguments, so he was actually leaning into those arguments. He knows that heckling and disruptiveness doesn't portray well on television, uh, and uh, some of these Republicans actually played into his hands, and so that's why many Democrats are saying he was very strategic. Now, remember, many Democrats believe that he's been too kind, too generous, uh, too soft on Republicans, and so this was a speech to try to right the balance, and he was very bipartisan at the beginning of the speech, mm-hmm. uh, something that he's uh, known to do. But he was also not afraid to confront. And I think a lot of Democrats believe that uh, that's a problem for Joe Biden. But last night, he tried to prove them wrong by being feisty. And I think those are the, those are the three things that people know about Biden. Bipartisanship, when it, when it can be done. Mm-hmm. Empatheticness, and he was quite empathetic about the plight of middle Class uh, Americans, uh, but also feisty when he needs to be. And uh, so I think, uh, you know, mission accomplished from his point of view. Now, of course, Republicans uh, will react. Uh Negatively to that, but he wasn't speaking to Republicans. He was speaking to Democrats and to Independents. And I think, to that extent, I think he probably achieved his mission.
0: Well, and that's—I was going to say, uh, like you said, it will probably play well uh, in the minds of Democrats, not so much uh, for Republicans. But I wonder, especially as you mentioned, he's probably going to announce that he's uh, running again. We're getting into another, yet another presidential election cycle. I just—I wonder how uh, that will play with independence whether ha- whether it really has any lasting impact at all
6: well you know uh state of the union speeches don't have lasting impact yeah. uh, because uh basically they're their are policy speeches and we know that both parties disagree on many of the policies right. so this is an attempt to reach out to the public to go above the heads of congress uh it's not about reaching the members of congress state of the union messages are not about that um, and um, then you have to wait and see what the public reaction is. Now, the initial public reaction to this speech, but to all State of the Union addresses, is positive, in large measure because the people who watch State of the Union message are overwhelmingly people who tend to agree with whoever the president is. So you're going to see uh, favorable polling uh, results, I would imagine, on this speech. Uh, But it's a way to sort of jumpstart the public debate, and uh, presidents always use it, and there's always partisanship in in the, the address. There's always appeals to bipartisanship, so in many ways, this was a typical address. But in terms of rhetoric, I dare say few people can remember uh, soaring rhetoric of any kind for any State of the Union message, because that's not the purpose. The purpose is basically to try to win over the public with whatever tools the president uh, thinks he, he has at his disposal at the time he makes the speech.
0: And, and certainly every president is going to spin and cherry-pick the facts that paint them in the most positive light. Every president does it, and it should be no surprise that President President. Biden did it last night. But uh, aside from the the incidences that we just mentioned uh, a little bit before where uh, there was strong reaction from the other side, were there any other moments where you felt that maybe there were egregiously misrepresented or exaggerated facts that things that immediately stood out for you?
6: Well, uh, you know, I can't, I can't go into the factual situation, because you really have to go into the um, specifics of it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that involves uh, uh, a lot of people who are focused on the research, which I'm not at the point at this moment. But what I thought was probably uh, problematic for the president, he touted all the economic achievements, that is to say all the statistical numbers that look good on paper right. uh, for his handling of the economy. But, but it's no secret that for many Americans, uh, they believe they are struggling. Mm-hmm. Uh, prices are high, uh, gasoline, food, um, there is a uh, great concern about uh, how people are faring, and many people worry whether, not only whether they will do well, but whether the children will do as well as generations of the past. So the, the numbers look good, uh, but the general feeling, the general economic mood of the people uh, is, not, is not so positive, positive. and yeah. so that's, the, that's a disconnect there, and he tried to breach that, uh, Well, uh, you know, breach the gap there, but whether he succeeded, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah.
0: I I did think, and you were were speaking about how uh, heckling the president doesn't always play well, Uh, I did think it was kind of interesting a couple of times when Speaker McCarthy attempted to shush some of the hecklers in his caucus when the president said things that they sharply disagreed with. It did seem that he was trying to maintain a certain level of decorum. Uh, and and traditional deference to the president, if you will. Maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I wonder if it was a deliberate effort to return to some of the more conventional traditions of respect for the office uh, and that idea of disagreeing without being disagreeable.
6: Well, I think that's right. Uh, look, we used to speak of the loyal opposition, and that was we disagree on policy, uh, but we uh, respect the institutions. And yeah. I think McCarthy uh, was quite... Um, Clear that he wanted that to happen, he had spoken to his caucus about uh, being disruptive and said don 't boo don 't heckle uh, but apparently uh, some members yeah. of, and at times many members did so and that 's uh, uh, you know a mark of uh, the problem that he that he faces uh, maintaining discipline over a, a party that is uh, rather split at the moment and in some ways uh, rather undisciplined and so uh, what we saw last night was a visual uh, representation, really, a visual representation of the problem he fa- he faces in uh, governing his caucus and then uniting it uh, beyond, uh, behind uh, policies that uh, they all can agree on. And it's yeah. not clear they all can agree on those policies. Yeah. Uh,
0: lastly, I do want to ask your thoughts on Sarah Huckabee Sanders' performance in delivering the Republican response. Obviously, the State of the Union uh, is never about the opposition party. That's not what the night is about. But it is uh, still an honor to be the one to deliver That opposition speech, and it was her opportunity to solidify her position as a rising star in the party. Did she deliver?
6: I don't think so. Um, I think what she did was play in uh, a lot right at the beginning into the culture wars. And I think a lot of people are not interested in those wars. They're interested in their economic situation, uh, as I just mentioned. And so she played into that, which I don't think is receptive for a wide swath of, of America. Um, and, uh, you know, she didn't smile. She sort of like uh, sounded angry at times. Um, and again, that doesn't play well. You want to project an optimistic uh, view of the United States, a, a view that uh, is, is Full of progressive and, uh, you know, uh, not progressive in, the, in a political sense, but that mm-hmm. looks towards progressing uh, wealth. Going forward, and for that, you want to project an image uh, of yourself and of uh, what you say that that is positive. Uh, And I don't think she did that. And then, in in fairness to her, you know, she's spent a lot of uh, a lot of time uh, talking about how she accompanied the president to see the troops, and how that was a a very high point and emotional moment. That happens in every presidency. Presidents go aboard abroad to see the troops, and the troops uh, react quite favorably. I mean, they're reacting to their boss, Mm -hmm. and so to cite that as a a great achievement, uh, didn't strike me as very convincing. Moreover, what was also quite interesting is when she talked about the, uh, the former president whom she served... She never mentioned his name. Hmm. And that tells you a lot <laughs> about uh, the standing of Trump or how many Republicans believe uh, the Trump name uh, could be a liability. Yeah,
0: maybe it's time to move on. Interesting stuff there. Again, uh, Alan Sanders is a former Time magazine senior reporter, professor emeritus of political science at St. Peter's University in New Jersey, New, in uh, Jersey City, New Jersey. Uh, with us this morning, reaction and uh, analysis of the State of the Union address and the Republican response. Alan, thanks very much for taking the time. As always, we appreciate it.
6: My pleasure. Take
3: care.
0: Well, of course, February is American Heart Month. And according to the Cleveland Clinic's 2023 Heart Health Survey, almost half of all Americans say that the cost is the number one barrier to eating heart healthy. Uh, Then there's access to healthy foods and to some extent, even a lack of understanding about what foods are healthiest for your heart. Dr. Leslie Cho is director of the Cleveland Clinic's Women's Cardiovascular Center. Dr. Cho, first of all, let's start with a basic question uh, about how diet affects heart health.
3: Oh, diet is a critical component of heart health. What we eat um, directly uh, translates into... Whether we're hypertensive or not, whether our blood pressure is high or not, whether we get diabetes or not, whether we're overweight or not and our cholesterol level, diet is critical, not just for heart health either. It's linked to brain health. It's linked to your cancer risk. So what
0: are some of the tips that you can offer to eating heart healthy on a budget? Because as we said in the survey, it's the number one barrier people say to eating heart healthy is cost. So if folks are uh, concerned about the cost or limited in their options.
3: Yes. So, you know, there's a big misconception out there that organic equals heart health. And that's not true. And so organic food tends to be very expensive. And so people think like, oh, I only have to eat organic in order to get heart healthy. And that's totally not true. Eating in season, so eating seasonal fruits, seasonal vegetables, which tends to be cheaper, um, is actually quite heart healthy. You also want to buy in bulk. So if you have friends or neighbors that you can go uh, go in together with, and so you can buy it in bulk, so the cost is cheaper, that's much better. You want to uh, also plan your meals, because planning your meals is actually very cost effective. There's been lots of studies uh, saying that if you plan out your meals, that you can really save costs. So on Sunday night, while you're looking through your calendar for what's coming up in the week, maybe think about how to budget and what to cook um, so that you can have a heart-healthy diet that's also very cost-effective.
0: You talk about uh, the uh, misconceptions uh, about what is and isn't heart-healthy, and it it really uh, surprised me in the survey, the number of people, and it wasn't very many, but that anyone at all would think that fast food or you know uh quick dining out options uh, can actually be a a heart healthy uh, diet i were there were there some things that came out of this survey that surprised you similarly
3: yeah i mean i think that was surprising to us but the thing that really surprised us is that americans still think that low-fat low-carb diets are the healthiest diet and that's totally not true these extreme diets are not sustainable, but also not heart healthy. The best diet, the diet that's consistently been shown to lower your risk for heart disease, lower your risk for stroke, decrease dementia, um, and live longer is something called a Mediterranean diet. And Mediterranean diet is really not low fat and definitely not low carb. Mm. It is a diet that's very rich in olive oil, it's rich in fish, which is high in omega-3 fatty acids, in things like avocados that, that are good for you. It's high in carbs, which is carbs are vegetables, vegetables are carbs. Carbs are not just bread alone. Um, and then it also is uh, high in complex carbohydrates. That is the best diet for, um, for our heart health, but also to lower our cancer risk. You know, if there's one message we want to put out there today um, at the start of the heart month is is that a heart healthy diet is something all of us can do, even if we're strapped for time, strapped for cash or strapped for, you know, um, information, because that heart healthy diet, there's so much information out there in the web, on our website about how to do that cheaply and Uh, time effectively or efficiently Mm -hmm.
0: for all the time that we spend talking about diet um whether just for health in general for heart health and for health in general that's only one part of the equation right i mean we do have to talk about uh the the flip side of that coin being exercise and and being active in the proper way
3: absolutely i mean exercise is critical the 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 part about diet and exercise that Americans, um, misunderstand is that, you know, diet, um, is what has an important risk factor in terms of hypertension, diabetes, high cholesterol, um, and weight. But diet actually is a critical component to weight gain and weight loss. Whereas exercise is critically important for maintenance of weight, but Exercise is absolutely essential for, you know, heart health in terms of training your heart to uh, pump more efficiently, mm-hmm. training your heart to be um, metabolic, metabolically active and, and efficient and stable.
0: So put it all together for us here as kind of a summary. What are the steps that we should be taking to start to develop an overall heart-healthy plan?
3: The best, um, I think, plan is to be mindful about what you eat, um, and being mindful means that you are going to think about what you have for your lunch, your uh, breakfast, and your dinner. And I think st- having that kind of mindfulness, understanding what you're going to put in your mouth and in your body is a huge step forward in how to control your um, heart health, and how to be more proactive. I think the other important thing is is that it has to be like a family decision. You can't be the only one in your family starting a heart healthy diet. If everybody else is eating badly around you, that's just not sustainable. So maybe having, you know, a family plan about how to eat um, and live more healthily, uh, more heart health. And then trying to incorporate an active lifestyle. You know, when people, uh, when I tell my patients they have to exercise, I can just see the shuddering in their body. I can just see the eyes going back. And that's because nobody wants to exercise. Everybody's strapped. Nobody has time. But it's important to remember you can incorporate exercise into your routine already. You can park further away. You can walk up a couple of flights of stairs at work. And then you can maybe walk around uh, the block during your lunch hour instead of eating and sitting down in the cafeteria. Um, I think trying to be just more thoughtful, more mindful about our daily life will make a huge impact on our heart health.
0: Dr. Leslie Cho, again, uh, director of the Cleveland Clinic's Women's Cardiovascular Center, talking about their uh, 2023 Heart Health Survey for American Heart Month. Dr. Cho, where do folks get more information?
3: They can go to clevelandclinic.org forward slash love your heart. 20 years of making mornings good mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news
0: alert. A woman in Leesburg, Florida, went on a $1,000 shopping spree for her birthday at the local Walmart. Isn't that cool? Well, not really, because you see, she didn't have a $1,000 shopping spree. She she just kind of helped herself. (laughs) Hey, it's my birthday, right? Right. Uh, I guess what she didn't realize is the Walmart doesn't just give you free stuff because it's your birthday. A a loss prevention officer at the store contacted police after reportedly seeing Jenna Marie Haney leaving the self-checkout area with $962.74 worth of groceries without paying. (laughs) Uh, And then, just for good measure, upon her arrest, officers found... Cocaine in her wallet. So <laughs> apparently, she didn't have any room for a debit card with all of that cocaine in there. So that's why she didn't pay. Uh, so instead of a traditional birthday party <laughs> with her $1,000 worth of groceries, uh, Ms. Haney celebrated her birthday in the county jail. <laughs> and because of the amount uh, that she reportedly stole, She was uh, charged with felony theft, too. So, hey, go big or go home, I guess, for your birthday. (laughs) Uh, Elsewhere in the broken news, um, if that's not the dumb criminal of the day, this certainly is. Jordan Craig is his name from uh, Western Kentucky. I'm not sure exactly where it says Western Kentucky. Apparently, Mr. Craig was initially pulled over uh, by the police for going more than 80 miles an hour in a residential area. Um, (laughs) If that wasn't enough, while uh, the officer, you know, he goes up, he gets the guy's license, he goes back to his car to run the license, do a, a BMV check. And as he's walking back to the car to give the guy back his license, he notices that Mr. Craig <laughs> takes a swig of the beer that he had <laughs> with him in the, in the car how dumb do you have to be <laughs> to take a take a uh chug the chug of the beer that you have in the car while the officer has pulled you over uh the 25-year-old man subsequently failed field sobriety tests um at one point, he told the officer that he forgot how to count. <laughs> yeah, he was inebriated, and uh, he was dealt with appropriately. There is how dumb do you have to be? Take the take a swig of your beer, chug your beer while the cop is running your driver's license. There, so dumb, dumb, da dum, dum. Um, this is a crazy story out of uh, California. Uh, Nick Castro is a pest control expert. I don't know exactly in, where in California this is, it's somewhere in California. Uh, so, Mr. Castro called into a house uh, to deal with a woodpecker problem. The homeowner said, We've got this woodpecker. We just uh, have been uh, trying to deal with it. What, uh, what Nick found shocked him. The woodpecker was creating, was uh, pecking holes in the siding of the home. And storing acorns in the walls. When he cut into the wall to remove the acorns, they just kept pouring out and pouring out and more and more and more. He thought they were maybe about a quarter of the way up the wall. It turned out they were piled up to the attic of the house. A total of 700 pounds of acorns were removed from the walls. How long has this woodpecker been going? How long has this been going on? Um, as a new siding has been added to the home, and the owners hope that the bird will find a new place to store its food. But that is crazy. <clears throat> I don't know. Does that act as insulation? I mean, can you? 700 pounds of acorns. Just crazy. Uh, Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, the odd and unusual side of the talk about uh, unusual calls. Firefighters in Lewistown, Pennsylvania responded to the home of Erin Mexel after her two-year-old daughter, Quinley, got her head stuck in an angel food cake pan. (laughs) How would you like to have to make that call to 911. Could you please someone someone over my toddler has got her head stuck in a cake pan? Apparently, the middle section had been removed and her daughter wedged her head into. uh, Firefighters were able to remove the pan with the help of some tin snips. Uh, Ms. Mexel said her daughter was a trooper through the entire ordeal and was not seriously injured. She went on to say that this sort of accident, this kind of accident seems to run in the family. Uh, at one point, she said, "When she was a child, she got her own legs stuck in a plastic chair, and <laughs> firefighters had to be called." So maybe, maybe it's hereditary. I don't know. <laughs> Still, an odd call to have to make to uh, to law enforcement. <clears throat> um, again, odd calls to law enforcement. A Minnesota woman from uh, from Eagle Lake, Minnesota. Uh, her name is not given in this report. Minnesota woman now faces multiple charges after police say she assaulted her boyfriend with a whole chicken. <laughs> That's it. That's the entire story. I just thought that was uh, a very odd choice of weapon. Assaulting her boyfriend with a live, with not a live chicken, but a, a whole chicken. <clears throat> Can you imagine being in this slammer? What are you in for? I sold someone with a chicken. <laughs> Stay away from me. I've got a chicken and I know how to use it. And finally, in the broken news this morning, a true tragedy. A truckload of Jack Daniels overturned in Greensboro, North Carolina on Monday, spilling its entire load of whiskey on the highway. Um... Cleanup efforts, actually, this happened on Monday, but cleanup efforts went into the day on Tuesday because of the entire mess, not just the whiskey, but the broken glass bottles. The tractor-trailer crashed and overturned on I-40 North late Monday night, prompting hours of cleanup and a continual closure of the highway and a nearby exit. Minor injuries were reported from the accident, but their extent was not known, uh, no estimate provided on how much liquor was lost. It uh, also, the report does not explain what caused the crash. But a true tragedy—a truckload of Jack Daniel's all over the highway. Well, yeah, don't drink and drive. Moral of the story. Again, can you imagine trying to explain to your boss why you're late? I swear, there was Jack Daniel's all over the highway. There was. There you go. Uh, That is today's Broken News Report, an update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines, and we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming.
6: Live. Work play in Findlay and Hancock County.
0: The Greater Findlay Restaurant Week is back February 20th through the 26th. Participating restaurants will be offering three course meals at a set price throughout the week. No tickets are necessary, but reservations are suggested. See participating restaurants and menus at visitfindlay.com restaurantweek.
6: Fresh ideas, support, and strength. The Findlay-Hancock County Chamber of Commerce, a division of the Findlay-Hancock County Alliance. Online at findlayhancockchamber.com.
0: Time now for your daily download the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. And I thought this was uh, interesting that this should uh, come out right before the Super Bowl, just days before the NFL championship game. Researchers say even more NFL players uh, suffer the effects, long term effects of uh, head injuries, even more than previously believed. Uh, The Boston University CTE Center studied the brains of over 370 NFL players who had passed away, and they found 345 had CTE, the progressive brain disease. 345 out of 370 that they examined. That is 93%. Uh, The results were an update of the study that the university conducted back in 2017, which found CTE in 87% of over 200 football players that had been examined at the time. So uh, now a wider sample, and the instances of CTE uh, went up significantly, 93%. That is just an alarming number. Of course, CTE can cause memory loss, depression loss of motor skills, erratic behavior, so on and so forth, whole litany of long-term effects. The director of the CTE Center said that they released this update uh, deliberately ahead of the Super Bowl this week because, in their words, the NFL hasn't done anything substantial to prevent CTE, and the risk is still high. So, less than a week to go until the most romantic day of the year, we're told. And this morning, we have some ideas for a personalized celebration with your Valentine. We are joined by lifestyle expert Megan Murphy. She is a writer, podcaster, author of the bestseller, Your Fully Charged Life. So, Megan, you say the perfect Valentine's Day is one that has a personal touch. Explain how to do that.
2: Oh, yeah, Chris. Well, I have to say, so as a kid, I was always making handmade cards My dad called them mega cards, and he saved a whole stash of them. (laughs) I have turned in the construction paper and the crayons, though, and these days I just use Adobe Express. It is a free web and mobile design tool that allows you to create cards, but even more, you can create invitations. Say you're going to have a Valentine's Day brunch. You can even use Adobe Express to then do a menu. I used it to create Valentine's Day cards for my kids' classrooms. It essentially turns anyone into a graphic designer because there are thousands of templates. I have to say it's also really good for small business because you can create logos, Instagram posts. Sure. You know, really kind of do anything with this free um, web and mobile design tool. If you want to upgrade to premium, it is only nine ninety 99 I'm, I'm like a big fan of this.
0: So what are some of the other... Uh Valentine's day ideas that you have here for us.
2: So I'm about to tell you about my favorite blanket and this blanket is next level. It is called petty pocket and it has a patented foot pocket. So at the base of the blanket, it has a little like a little secret pocket that you tuck your toes in so that you will never have cold feet. Not on Valentine's day or any day of the year, (laughs) it comes in three different sizes. So there's one that's kid size, There's a a regular size, and then there's the new XXL blanket, which is seven feet long, and it has a 30-inch foot pocket. I have three kids, and we've been known to squeeze into one on movie night, all cuddled up, cozy on the couch. And they come in. No, right? I would, there's like 20 plus colors too. So I, you
0: give tons of colors. I was going to say that sounds like that would be perfect for that date night curled up in front of the fire, watching the romantic movie on TV, something along those lines.
2: Well, and like, you're not going out to dinner on Valentine's day. Cause that's amateur hour. Everything's going to be too crowded. You know, you're not going to get great service. Order in and curl up in the Petty Pocket. I guarantee you will have a wonderful Valentine's day.
0: There you and go. And if you
2: want to go to... Pettypocketblanket.com. You can shop the entire collection. Um, I I just love these blankets, and they're washable and dryer-friendly.
0: Very cool. Uh, What other tips do you have uh, on making the day special for that someone special?
2: So, Chris, I'm, like, all about handwritten anything. I mean, I still have notes saved from uh, my grandmother and my late father who did anything in handwritten, like, handwriting. So I'm like all about the love letter. But in order to do that beautiful penmanship, you need a good pen. And Pilot is my go-to. I love the friction because they're erasable. So I'm, I'm an author, and sometimes when I try to put pen to paper, I get a little nervous that the, right, the words aren't going to come out exactly right. But not with the friction because I know I can always erase it. And they write really, really smooth. Their G, uh, the G2 gel pens are also really fun because they have vivid colors. The Mineral Art Collection is my favorite. And if you have someone in your life who loves to bullet journal or does, you know, coloring books for stress relief, mm-hmm. the G-tube gel pens are really magical. You can shop the entire collection on powertothepen.com.
0: All right. Uh, anything oh, wait, else, to add?
2: Yes! Oh, my gosh. I forgot to tell you about this. So it's called Photo Leap. This is hysterical. It is an app that lets you make AI avatars. It is Such a riot. So now for Valentine's Day, they're going to launch couples. So you download the PhotoLeap app, and then you upload 10 photos of you and 10 photos of your partner. Okay. And Photo Photo PhotoLeap creates a series of images, your AI avatars. So maybe they're going to put you at the 80s prom. Maybe they're going to put you in an old-timey wedding scenario, (laughs) or maybe put you in front of the Eiffel Tower. They are a riot and the bundles are 3.99. It's the kind of thing you might want to post on social media or share, surprise your loved one in a text with this funny AI avatar. I mean, I had such a I got such a kick out of creating mine. I mean, suddenly I'm I'm back in the 90s with like crazy hair i mean it's really really <laughs> funny the, the technology blows my mind it's like truly magical
0: so a lot of things uh you know fun ideas uh things that are just an extra special personalized touch there again lifestyle expert megan murphy with us uh, this morning with some ways to uh, enjoy a personalized valentine celebration where do we get more information megan
2: I think the key is, Chris, it's like we know to do the flowers and the chocolates. This kind of goes beyond that. Um, And and if I talk too fast, you can go to d6news.com slash Valentine's Day, and it's all right there for you.
0: All right, very good. We'll uh, link it up on our webpage as well, so uh, folks can check it out there. Megan Murphy, thanks very much for taking the time, and happy Valentine's Day.
2: Happy Valentine's Day, Chris.
0: And that will close the cast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Fox Sports NFL analyst Mark Schlereth will break down the Super Bowl matchup between the Eagles and the Chiefs. And we'll preview the Fort Findlay Playhouse production of the classic Murder on the Orient Express. So, until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.